eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, to Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold, the 1-0 edition to kick off week two of coverage as we get ready for now a Monday night showdown against division rival Carolina. But... All's good right now. 1-0, feeling good after a week one victory over the Tennessee Titans. Uh, we'll go over some things that we, Jeff, went over in film review. I know offensive and defensively. And uh, kind of get into uh, a little bit of the offensive line talk. Because I know everybody was kind of in mass hysteria following that game, especially with our left tackle. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get into all of that. I did spend a majority of this morning going through film study and you know i've i haven't had this much fun going through a game in a while it was a very enjoyable game to watch you know you wouldn't you, the 16 15 you would think it's this ugly game and it was an ugly game but there was a lot of like interesting plays and points and and you know kind of little little things that happened here and there alanti taylor you know i'm a big fan of i I think he's going to be very good in the slot. Uh, he took his lumps a little bit in that game, but I think he's going to be very good in the slot. But first things first, I do want to catch up on some of the news that happened. And that's going to be this first segment. We're going to just kind of go through a couple of notes that we didn't get to in the postgame podcast. The first being got a couple injuries. Peyton Turner dealing with turf toe. He's going to have to have surgery. That's a bummer. And Ryan Connolly's got that knee again that's that's been bugging him. He told me that, he initially thought he was going to have to have surgery to clean it up. Then they decided he didn't have to, and he was able to rehab it without surgery. But, you know, it's an injury again. So it would certainly appear that he's going to have to have surgery on that knee. So I don't think you're going to be having Ryan Connolly anytime soon. But the bigger loss is, is Peyton Turner. And Absolutely. it's really a bummer 
for him. You know, we, we talked about this. This is the first training camp he's gotten through without any major injury issues. He played in, what, 13 games over two seasons. Finally, feels like he's ready to to contribute. And I thought he actually was playing pretty well when I went through the film. He was he had popped a couple times. He made a couple nice plays. He was kind of wreaking havoc in the interior on the NASCAR packages inside Carl Granderson. And then, you know, he he the play he got hurt on, he was kind of making in you know, he got his hand on Ryan Tannehill and in, and just disrupted a play. And then he went down with that turf toe injury. So that is that is disappointing, um, to say the least. Definitely a huge disappointment. Like you're saying, you know, you had a, a, a lot of uh, invested in this guy being your first round pick from a couple years ago. And yeah, I mean, big dude, but like big time injury issues. I don't know what it is. It's really unfortunate. And you don't want to start bashing the guy because of your injury history. It's just really unfortunate that that's been a problem for him to stay on the field for the Saints. I don't I don't know if there's any way to know that going in to your draft, you know, breakdown of him knowing about his what his health is going to be going forward. Yeah, I mean, it. it's one of those situations where he was hurt in college. And you decided to look past that and say, okay, that's not an indicator of his future, but clearly it is. Uh, I mean, but like, you know, Brian Brzee was hurt in college. You look past that too. Like the Saints have never been a team that was going to not draft someone because they were kind of, they had to dealt with injuries in college. And, you know, I think it's, it's burned them a couple times uh, in terms of these players just can't stay on the field for, for pain. That's the frustrating thing is it's not like there's been any common denominator with the injuries, right? Like it's the first year it was a shoulder injury. Then I can't remember what it was last year. I think maybe it was an ankle this year. It's the toe. And, you know, we're going to get into more of the injury things. Everyone wants to talk about turf, and artificial turf and how it's impacting injuries guys get hurt it's football um but i do think the the lower body injuries definitely feel more concentrated on turf now i don't think you can eliminate turf you can't have a natural grass field in new orleans there's it's inside right like some stadiums are able to wheel grass out and let it grow you can't, where, where are you going to do that? In downtown New Orleans, you have to have turf. So it's not like you can just eliminate it uh, unless you can find a way to grow natural grass inside of a building without any sunlight. Now that would be a trick, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a bummer. And, you know, unfortunately we are very familiar with turf toe injuries. Dennis Allen said it's similar to the one Trevor Penning had last year. The one Trevor Penning had last year was similar to the one that Landon Young had the year before that. And, you know, Michael Thomas's injury wasn't technically turf toe because turf toe is your big toe, but he dealt with a toe injury as well. It was a ton of toe injuries last year. Um, but if we're going by the timeline where, that we saw with Trevor, you're talking about a, for about three months, give or take, before you can expect to be back at, you know, playing NFL football, right? Like he'll be able to move around and get in shape prior to that, but he won't be able to get back on the field for at least three months. So if you're talking – you know, maybe week 14, you know, maybe he could go on IR, which I don't think he's officially gone on IR yet, but he's, I'm sure he will be on IR and then come back and impact games maybe late in the season. So his, his year's not done per se, um, but, you know, it's got to be, you, you can only imagine for a player who, you know, we've talked about this, has finally felt like health was on his side and was playing well. He looked great throughout the preseason. And I, and I, he was projecting to be, have a big role, and now, like, that's got to be demoralizing in terms of just 
how many times can you work back? How much rehab can you go through before it's it's tough to get up that next time? Um, so we'll have to see. But it will open a door for Isaiah Foskey, who exactly. was match for this game. And now you have to imagine would be in that rotation. Yeah, you know, everybody had a lot of negative things to say after his limited to no output we really saw in practices preseason. Maybe there was a little glimmer of hope here and there, but nothing that really shouted out. Obviously, a third-round draft pick, you know. Or was a second-round draft pick, I'm sorry. Number 40 overall. It was a high second-rounder. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so uh, that caused a lot of concern. But now, hey, man, I I know Dennis Allen talked about a little bit his kind of that ramp-up period for Foskey. Definitely gets escalated now with that injury to Turner, although you do still have someone like uh, Tano passing you around. Uh, and man, oh man, Carl Granderson, I will say, was been was hella impressive week one. Yeah, we're going to get more into Carl and some of this film study. But uh, yeah, Carl was a machine um, in 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 week one. And, uh, you know, that's that's where it's like if you, you know, it sucks to lose Peyton, but one of my questions was, okay, is what we're seeing out of Carl real or a mirage? Well, I think he showed in that game, it's real. I mean, he was a menace, especially in that first half. Uh, you know, like the Saints had to make adjustments to help out Trevor Penning. I think the Titans had to make adjustments to help out their left tackle because Carl, yes. he was winning on spin moves. He was winning on bull rushes. He was splitting double teams. It's just, you know, even on plays, he didn't record a stat. I think he had four QB hits. Like he was just there. He was a pest. I think um, if you're not an NFL fan and you see that, you were like, wait a minute. So you have who's Carl Granderson. And on the other side, who's this guy? Arden Key. Arden Key. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, if you're not, yeah, well, we in Louisiana know who Arden Key is. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, But yeah, you know, and I think it it is funny because it's like we talk about Arden Key as if he's just nobody. He was a high draft pick. He came in with a lot of, uh, you know, acclaim, right? Like he was supposed to be what we saw. I mean, maybe not to that extent. I think Trevor made him look like, you know, Reggie White out there. But, uh, you know, he he was supposed to be a high caliber pass rusher. And so I don't think it was all Trevor being terrible. I think Arden Key is kind of coming into his own as an NFL player to some extent. He's also a speed rusher, and I think you're going to see Trevor when he struggles. It's going to be against speed. It's going to be against guys who get outside of him, and then he tries to lean outside, and he gets beat inside, right? Like I do want to talk about the other bit of injury news that is all over the NFL, and we talked about the turf, and it's going to come up with this too, is Aaron Rodgers, 72 seconds into his Packers Debut. I'm sorry, Packers. Jets debut. Torn Achilles. Done for the year. Absolutely, incredibly, just insanely brutal. You know, you, you had all the I'm, hype, obviously, the hard knocks. Oh, I mean, right. it's, it's even in New York, you know, for the opener, the games, all the Jets fans are there. Can't wait to see Rodgers in action. Wow. Barely 24 hours after the Giants. Yes. Just base, just, you know, I mean, lit themselves on fire against the, the Cowboys and lost 40 to nothing. The Jets fans, somehow, it's like, you know, the, if you're in New York and you're like, well, it can't get any worse than that. <laughs> it did. It got worse. <laughs> somehow it did. Oh, and. Uh, but at least the J-E-T-S Jets came through with the win somehow. They did win. 
Right. See, that's the thing. Like the Jets won that game, and I'm sure they still feel worse than the Giants do. <laughs> oh. Like I still like their prospects got worse than the Giants, who actually lost that game forty to nothing, but have to feel like they can come back and play better than they did. Um, and I think that's true for a lot of teams. The the Bengals got beaten up, you know, twenty four to three in yeah. Cleveland. Uh, a lot of teams, I think. You know, week one, you should never overreact because, you know, you saw the, the Packers lost 38 to three to the Saints in 2021, then went on to the NFC championship, right? Like, it's not all about what you see in week one. But, man, you know, you're looking at the Jets and uh, there's a lot of talk, a lot of talk today. Talk. Who, who might be the Jets quarterback? Because hilariously, no one's saying it should be Zach Wilson. No one. The number two overall pick. <laughs> um, but every year I get told that if you don't, that the, the best way to rebuild your franchise is to lose a lot and get into the top five and draft a quarterback. And then the Jets do that twice, draft that quarterback. And then it's like, ah, they're not the guy. Let's go get Aaron. And now it's like, oh, maybe they trade for James Winston. Hmm. Maybe that's the solution. You know, it's bad too when you hear, you know what? If I'm the Jets, I'm picking up that phone for Tom Brady. What? Come on, folks. Come yeah. on, really? Yeah, I mean, you've heard a lot of names. You've heard Colin Kaepernick. You've heard you Carson know, Jameis Wentz. and Carson Wentz. Yes, uh, Matt, Matt Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, right. Take him out the booth. Who hilariously, and, I'm, and I got trolled on his own call. We were just chopping some burgers at halftime saying this game feels like it should be 28 to 3 in favor of Minnesota. Why is it still 10-10? Turnovers. And by his own broadcast partner got trolled with a 28-3 joke. That was cold. Which is hilarious. It was cold. <laughs> oh, ice cold. The best part is Tiki Barber just being like looking around like, oh, okay. Did he really say that right? Well, you can see Matt Ryan, you know, he's kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he, he gets the 28-3 and you can see him just look over to the producers like, like, really? Yeah. And then and then he, he's a good sport about it. But yeah, Andrew Catalan, um, I, you know, maybe it was inadvertent. Maybe he just the kind of that was the score that popped up. Like, well, what's a what's a crazy scoreline that's on? No, he had that, that, that plan. You can't come back from, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and you didn't even like put two and two together. That it's like, oh shit, Matt's here. Um, anyway, because like that's what I would say, right? Like, like if I was just talking to somebody, I'd be like, yeah, they should yeah. be up twenty eight to three. <laughs> and but I'm not talking with Matt Ryan. Anyway, no, that so was funny. that was uh, that was superior trolling right there for sure. But I will say, like, I don't think that the Jets are going to trade for Jameis Winston. It, it wouldn't make sense for the Jets. It wouldn't really make sense for the Saints. Um, totally agree. <laughs> for one thing, like, you saw the Jets win that game. You know how they won that game? By playing conservative. By, by saying, okay, Zach, do exactly enough, but not too much. And that's how they won that game. They have a very good defense. They have a very good defensive line. They don't have a great offensive line. And, you know, it's like, I think they need, a, they need Andy Dalton. They don't need Jameis. So it, it wouldn't make sense for them to give up a real asset. And it also wouldn't make sense for the Saints to accept anything below like a fourth rounder. Because if you did trade Jameis, right, which it, it's also difficult to trade a quarterback because it takes a while to learn that system. If you traded Jameis this week, then that would mean you are essentially without Taysom Hill for five weeks because... If you trade Jameis, Jake Hayner is not available and Taysom Hill is your only viable backup. And in that scenario, you cannot play him on special teams. You cannot play him in any viable way because if he gets hurt, then suddenly you are you have one quarterback 
on the wait, roster. Wait, what's, what's Jake Lutton up to? Can we call him up? Yeah, he was on the Panthers. I don't know where he is now. Right. But yeah, I, I don't I don't think it makes it. I actually think so if you're if we're really handicapping this, I think there is a better chance that the Jets trade for Taysom Hill than trade for Jameis Winston. Because again, like we've seen we've seen the Saints win in that exact scenario with Taysom Hill, with a guy who isn't gonna make you know, do too much. You're going to run very conservative offense. You have two really good running backs. I, just, I don't think that happens either. Like, I'm not saying they're going to trade for him, but I just, I like everyone's putting Jameis's name in there. I mean, I think they're going to stick with Zach Wilson personally. I don't, I don't think the Jets, I think they understand where they're at. You're going to try to salvage things. But like, if you're, if you're in a situation, if you're in a no win situation, you might as well try to rebuild the value of the number two overall pick that you, I don't know, like, well, you got to do something with him. Maybe maybe you're in a situation where he actually figures things out and plays well and you can trade him in the offseason, right? Like, I don't know. It's just a shitty situation to be in for the Jets, and it's really a bummer. You know, hard knocks, you're going to go back and watch it, and it's, like, going to be so funny in retrospect. Everyone's so happy. They're like, oh, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> and it lasted. I mean, I've never seen an excited fan base get deflated that quickly ever in like the history of sports, maybe Zion Zion's a good example of like the Pelicans are like, Oh my God, we got Zion. And then he gets hurt in the preseason before his first ever game. <laughs> but yeah. And, and then you got to wonder like, is Aaron Rodgers done? Does he come back from that? That's tough. That's a great question. Yeah. Because you, you heard the talk of he was contemplating retirement to begin with kind of thing. Yeah. That's a tough way to go out. Right. Right. If you're Aaron and you're a competitive guy, I don't think that's how you want your career career to end. But that's that's all. Achilles is a tough rehab, man. You mentioned, you know, with Zach Wilson, obviously, yeah, you want to try and show that this guy that you made the move for to be your first round pick does have some value. I know that there's huge questions still around the young guy, but he is still very young. Uh, he's been in the, the Jets camp. He's got that going for him. Whoever you do bring in from the outside, whether it is trade or free agent, it's going to take them time to pick up things. It's not going to be instantaneous like, bam, they, you know, they're, they're going to know plays, playbooks and the terminology and all that. So, yeah, to me, you're kind of stuck with Zach Wilson for a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, like you're talking about, like we've been talking all offseason about how, oh, can Derek Carr pick up the Saints system, the Saints offense in an entire offseason, right? Can he, can he be at, at a full speed on week one? And, and now you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Can, can this guy do that in three days, right? In a week, in two weeks, in three weeks? And in that time period, how many games do you lose, right? So I, I think there's, they don't really have a choice, but just to hope that a, a, like the three months that Zach Wilson spent learning from Aaron Rodgers, and you do still have the benefit of having Aaron Rodgers effectively be your quarterback's coach, right? Like he's going to be there. He's going to be able to kind of walk Zach Wilson through it. So maybe that, maybe that will help him, right? Like I think if, if this was a situation where, you know, Drew Brees got hurt and Jameis was the quarterback, I would feel a lot better about that knowing Jameis is there. It's just like Teddy. I, I feel like Teddy, that's a better example, not Jameis. We're going to look at Teddy. You know, Teddy went 5-0 and as the Saints backup quarterback. He did have Drew Brees whispering in his ear that entire time. You will not convince me that he was not a better quarterback because of that, right? And so, you know, maybe that's a blessing in disguise for the Jets in terms of Zach Wilson has talent. You don't get drafted number two overall if you don't have talent. He just has never been able to get to that point. And maybe, maybe, I don't know. 
either way, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say the Saints are not trading Jameis Winston, and I don't think the Jets are going to trade for Jameis Winston. That's uh, my great prediction of, of week one. No, I, lo- I love it what you're saying there, too, because it makes no sense to either side for me either. What are you going to do with an extra sixth-round pick? Right. And, and the, the money-wise, it doesn't make sense for the Saints to unload Jameis either. No, I mean, it's every offseason we go through this, right? Last year it was Jimmy Garoppolo. We got hurt. Or, oh, maybe they trade for him. And then they ended up with Brock Purdy starting, and it was the best thing that could happen. <laughs> anyway, so let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back. We're going to get into the film study. The first segment that we get into will be the offense, and then we'll talk more about the defense. There were some good things, some bad things, primarily the blocking. That was bad. Um for everybody everybody no one blocked well um and i think that was a trend in the national football league this week so this is inside black and gold we'll be coming right back stick around this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. I am back, baby. COVID sayonara. I'm going to be back on the sidelines this week. We're going out to Carolina Monday Night Football. I'm excited about it. My first regular season road trip. Road trips are always fun uh, just because, you know, we're, we're used to how things get done around these parts and just to be and uh, another franchise's house is was always fun to me doing the sideline. I loved it. It's also open air. It's you know it feels you know, it's funny because in college it's like all open air and you kind of you know you go around and you know I was in Tuscaloosa and I, like it's a very fun environment. But you don't get that as often in the NFL. There's a lot of dome stadiums, particularly in the South. Um, but you know uh, Tampa, Carolina, Green Bay, a lot of these open air stadiums. Um, you know. So you, you got back to back open air ones. I'm, I am looking forward to that Green Bay, Green Bay trip. That's going to be yeah, interesting. Jordan Love cool. looked really good. Um, so that you know, I think I had the Saints projected to lose that game, uh, and that prediction feels a little more confident now because if the idea was Jordan Love is not ready, I think he showed he's ready. Uh, is he how how good is he? I don't know. But, like, he's not going to be the same matchup as the rookies. Like, this week with Bryce Young, I'm going to pencil the Saints in for a win, mainly because I don't think Bryce Young's ready. He's learning on the job. I think Jordan Love is ready. Well, yeah, that'll be interesting to see just because, man, this Saints defense has everybody, I think, pretty excited, obviously, right now. 
Yeah, well, the Saints defense is going to look a lot better when they're whenever they get to play Ryan Tannehill. He was off. But let's, uh, you know, speaking of rookies, Will Levis is just sitting there like, hey, guys, I, I think I could do better than that. <laughs> but all right, you know, first things first, let's get into the film study. But before that, you know, NFL Films put out this kind of clip reel here from the Saints game. And it was it's it's fantastic. So I want I had to grab it, um, you know, check it out on Twitter at NFL at NFL Films, which the CW does football now. That's that's weird to me. I remember like when they just did Gilmore Girls and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and that. But apparently the CW is football now. Um, but here is this. This is a clips package of what, what happened around that last play to Rashid Shahid and and their car after the game talked about how he told you know, Pete Carmichael, it's giving me a go route. He went up to Rashid Jaheed, and I think Rashid told us this. He was like, yeah, just run, you know, go. If you do not run, I'm going to throw you the ball. You better run. Uh, and uh, this is this is great. Listen to this. Give me another shot. Be ready if I give you a go route to end this thing. All right? Throw Rashid a go. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, listen to me, Rashid. Freaking run. Run. So it's Carr on third down, down the sideline, open receiver, Shaheed! Boom! Yeah! Yes! Ah! What a huge first down. Yes! Yes! Yeah! Let's go! Yeah! You heard Haas in there. What a huge first down. I love Jameis chiming in. Yeah! Yeah, that was the best part. <laughs> that could have been from any point in the game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Why was that even in there? What? What? <laughs> Gotta get James in. James there, right? <laughs> yeah, but no, that that was. I, I thought that was fantastic because uh, it just gives you an insight into you know how Derek Carr is operating in this offense. Like they knew they could not run the ball and end that game like they had to go win that game and man i'm so happy they made that decision because i even if that play didn't work i was 100 behind the the decision to just let him let him air it out because i mean you i've watched that game i i was if they punt that ball back you felt i mean right. even as badly as ryan Tannehill played i had a really bad i mean the the, the titans offense was actually starting to get things figured out Late in that game, it's the Saints defense was on the field a long time. Um, the Titans had a couple long drives. All they had to do was get into field goal range. Nick Folk was five for five, right? Like he was on a heater. I, you know, all you had to do was get him inside this, you know, within 60. And I, I wouldn't have felt good about it. And uh, so just taking that off the table and never giving the ball back, man, that is a nice way to finish a game. And cause you talk about like, Oh, 16 to 15, I mean, that that last drive, like, I don't care what the score is. That last drive was worth 30 points. Like, you got the ball with over two minutes left. The other team had three timeouts, and they never got it back. Like, that, to me, is what good offenses do. Um, yeah, they totally suffocated that right there. And that was one of the points, too, like, watching the game after, you know, going through uh, everything at the Dome, coming back to the studio for WWL and watching the game there, our uh, studio producer – Charlie even told me in my ear as I'm watching, you know, this last series unfolding, he's like, I'm just worried because I've seen this story happen before with this team, but the ability to take 
that ball and keep on driving it down, get the first downs. And like you said, not putting the ball in the opposing team offense's hands was so vital. And yeah, what, what winning teams do, obviously that was winning football. We got to see on Sunday, thankfully much different already in that aspect from last year. Uh, also to me, I was just smiling with all the takeaways going on. It was, it was brilliant to see all that happening for the saints. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely. And, and you know, what? one of the things that happened in that game, too, the, the offensive line blocked, right? You know, what, what we talked about, Trevor, <laughs> talked about Trevor Penning missing blocks. It was not just Trevor Penning. Like, we have, I'll, I'll show you a play here where Trevor Penning gets beaten. You know, and there was a, they, we could go all day on Trevor Penning. He got beat inside, he got beat outside, he got beat in the pass pro, he got beat in the run game. But, like, if we're going to pretend, if we're going to, we're going to, you know, throw Trevor under the bus, if we're going to say move Trevor to guard, well, okay, where are you moving James Hurst? Because he struggled too. Where are you moving Cesar Ruiz? Because he struggled too. Where are you moving Eric McCoy? Because he struggled too. Everybody struggled. And we, I think we saw that around the NFL to an extent is, you know, like the Giants could not block a lick in that game on Sunday Night Football. The Bengals could not block a lick against Miles Garrett and the Browns. You know, I think week one, in modern NFL where you don't get a, any live reps, really, you know, I think very quickly you can see that you're kind of learning on the job. Like you're kind of getting ready. You don't even know where, you're, where your struggles are going to be to be able to send help there, especially in the first half of week one. And things can get bad. I mean, look at this. You know, uh, I don't think we need to blame Jamal Williams for this, right? Like I think Jamal Williams struggled, but there was a reason he struggled because, I mean, He's not even close to getting this ball. And look at look at where the defender is. I mean, and then you have Trevor getting beat around the edge. So he can't even kick it out here. He has nowhere to go. All he can do is just barrel into the line here and see what he can get done. Um, and you and you saw that a lot. You saw Jamal Williams just not having a second to potentially just get ahead of steam and find a gap and try to plow through it. There's nothing. He's getting eaten the second he got the ball. But on that last drive. Here's what it looked like. Boom. You can't block it better than that. So I think what you see is, you know, offensive lines, they have to work together. It is a very cohesive situation. If one spot breaks down, it all breaks down. You need five guys who are working together and all getting the job done. And that takes a little time. Whereas on the defensive side, I think it's the curve is a little quicker where, you know, you had just, it's like all you need is one athlete to make a play. And, you know, this is the, this is that final run that iced the game. And suddenly, look, the offensive line can figure it out. And on a play that the Titans knew they were going to run, right? And they had a chance. They, they, they could have held him there, forced a field goal, got the ball back with time to potentially go down and score a game-winning touchdown. They never got the ball back. So you got to give the offensive line credit for that. And I think, you know, as Trevor, every all the entire group, you hope that, you know, this is a point where you, you get better and better and better and better. So that by week five, you know, if you're having the same struggles week five, we can have a conversation. But I don't the Saints aren't looking at this and saying we need to do something with Trevor. I'm not looking at this and saying we need to do something with Trevor. I'm looking at this and saying, OK, here's where you, you effed up. Now fix those mistakes. And if you can do that, then you're, and you're looking at it. But, you know, I keep people keep telling me, oh, he's slow. He's he's not fast enough. He can't get it done. I don't think that's the case. I mean, you know, he is a premier athlete. Like I keep getting told he's not an athlete. You know, we like we he you have the measurables. Like he's he's an athlete. I think it's not not a, dissimilar to what you had in Toronto Armstead when in his rookie season when or his I don't know, maybe his second season when he got his first start where he struggled a little bit. But 
I, you know, I think you're going to have moments where you're like, what the hell is this guy doing? But, you know, I think you give it, give it some time is my point. Yeah. And obviously the Tennessee Titans, one of the better defensive fronts that the saints are going to face this season. And you got at least that out the way right off the bat kind of thing. But that was one of the things Jeff with, with penning, you know, that decision in that preseason finale, not to play him. I wasn't, too keen on and I got it you know you're trying to save him and protect him from the injury bug that you're worried could happen kind of thing but man just those reps though I feel like he needs them still and we can see that obviously I'm not giving up on penning either but man that that was a rough go against the Titans team that it was you know a a pretty formidable front there for sure And yeah, you just got to hope he learns something from that going into this week. We see a much more dominant penning against the Panthers D line, but that's not going to be easy either. No, no, it's yeah. It's another tough matchup for him, but yeah. And so, you know, I expected him to struggle against speed where I got frustrated was watching plays like this. This is that first drive down the field. You know, Michael Thomas is going to be standing by himself in the back of the end zone. Derek Carr can't find him because he gets immediate pressure and he has to roll out. And you'll see it here. You know, when Trevor is ever able to get his hands on people, he needs to be able to win. And right here, he's in good position. He, he doesn't get beat to the outside. He's got his hands on him, but then he just gets ripped through and loses. And immediately you have lost that rep. Derek Carr has no chance to just take a step forward and find Mike Thomas, who is now standing by himself. I keep getting told by people, you know, I posted this video. I keep getting told, well, why didn't he just throw it to the back of the end zone? (laughs) Well, once you start running this direction, that's a bad throw. That's the wrong throw. Someone was like, well, he needs to practice that throw. Like people don't practice bad decisions. If he stops his momentum and tries to throw across his body and lob it to the back of the end zone, that probably gets intercepted. No matter how open Mike Thomas is right now, these are professional athletes. They can recover. He's not throwing. He's not like, and it's like, okay, if you're complaining that, that Derek Carr is not Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen, <laughs> then fine. You, you win. Cause he's not like, we all know that. And my, I would be more concerned if he's out there trying to make Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen throws. I think he is absolutely correct. Not throwing this and just dirting it because there's nothing to be had and there's nothing to be had because the protection broke down. Um, And it is frustrating because all you need is a second. All you need is a second. He's in position. He just needs to get a little bit more depth and push that upfield. And if he does that, Derek Carr is able to just step up in the pocket. The coverage breaks down on the back end and he can make that throw. The problem is he is already being forced to bail out before the coverage breakdown can even happen. And so, like, this is the play that I need him to be better on. He's going to get beat occasionally. Derek Carr is going to have to make guys miss. That's just life in the NFL. You're not going to have a perfect pocket every play. But when you are in position to win, I need you to win, right? You can't, you can't get in the perfect position and then lose. That's, that's where I am frustrated. But, yeah, this play, I think he did get better as the game went on. The Saints got better at scheming him help. Um, as the game went on, and that's a good thing. But yeah, there, there's a, there's some warts there. No one's going to deny that. Props I, to call I am, on that, that play, actually. I saw him, you know, have that awareness to to roll out. I thought he was going to get crushed. Yeah. Well, I saw people say like, oh, he needs to step up. I was like, well, there's no one open when you're saying he should step up. You don't step up in the pocket to wait. You step up to deliver a ball with you know, with accuracy and pace, you're not stepping up so that you can just, if he steps up and sits there and is like, whoa, who's going to come open? He's getting blown up from behind. He's going to fumble. 
you know, that that would have been his first fumble in the game. The second fumble did not count, which is a terrible call. But I mean, I, I've never that like the refs, you know what? <laughs> I had people on Twitter tell me that the Saints always get the 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 refs on their side. Someone told me that. Someone tweeted that at me. And I, I, he's probably just trolling, but at the same time, like, man, <laughs> that's something. Every fan base, I guess, feels like they are the most slighted by the referees, except if maybe you're the Patriots. You got nothing to bitch about from your history. <laughs> I agree. So the, the funny thing is, this is actually a play here that was an example of Derek Carr missing something. And it's a similar situation. You have Mike Thomas coming through on kind of the over Derek Carr. This is a designed rollout. And so, you know, how, how are some of the ways you help your left tackle? Well, <laughs> you're going to take your quarterback and you're going to have him run the opposite direction. The problem is... It doesn't work. You know, the, the, the Titans actually kind of sniff this out and Derek Carr has to just get rid of the ball. Well, he gets a little antsy here. You can see Mike Thomas is actually open. Like he, he's by himself. There's no coverage here. He is in the underneath with no one there to make a play on the ball. Derek Carr just has to kind of delay for a second and then he has all of this space to just lob the ball into. Instead, he kind of panics. He throws it away. And this is where, and you can see Mike is a little frustrated because he, he can see I am wide open. There is no one here to stop. Like the only player he back here, like he's not making a play on the ball. The defender's running upfield with, I want to say it's Chris Olave and Derek just kind of throws it away. Now you feel a little better about this because of what happens in the next play, which is he finds Rashid Shahid for a touchdown. I'll show you that clip here in a second. Uh, but like that, I think that's a, that's one of the few examples in this game that I was able to find where I was like, you know what, Derek kind of messed this up. Because as you rewatch this, you see if he's not running for his life, you know, if he's able to kind of get some time and navigate, I, I think he made some really nice throws, some really nice reads. And for, again, a guy who's in his first game in this offense, he looked very comfortable running it. You know, you, you bring up obviously to Mike Thomas. I, I feel like he didn't get maybe enough credit after this game just because of the other you know, the numbers we got from Olave and Rashid Shahid, but man, I was perfectly satisfied with Mike T's production. Obviously, yeah, you, you want more on the field like you're seeing there, a missed opportunity. But overall, I, I thought Mike T did well week one. Yeah, he had a couple nice moments. Um, he disappeared for a little while. Yeah, I, I think this is a game where you're just you're just trying to figure it out. You're trying to get the ball to your hands quickly because you know there's going to be pressure. You know, he had, you know, when there's going to be moments this season where you just need a play. You need, I mean, you saw that on that second, and I want to say it was like 13 um, when you're trying to ice the game. You know, that play, to, that throw to Olave we talked about, the, you're able to do that. You're able to get aggressive there because you ended up in third and six instead of third and 12, right? Like, so the defense has to, come up and make sure you can't run for the first down. And so you're able to throw over the top. And the reason you're in that situation is because Mike Thomas is a tank and you can throw to him in traffic and he will make the play. And he did. And he set them up. So, you know, yeah, I, I agree. I think he, he made some nice mo. He had some nice moments. Um, he didn't get hurt. That's important. But anyway, here's the, and we, we talked about Rashid, Rashid Shahid. I, I regret not doing a fantasy episode. We did just didn't have the time. Um, which I would have spent a lot of time talking about how you should draft Rashid Shahid. And, you know, I had a lot of text exchanges with people like, oh, should I take Jamison Williams and stash him in the 15th round? I was like, is Rashid on the board? Yeah, draft Rashid. And, <laughs> you know, at least four people I told to do that and did not do it. And that's why I sent them uh, texts on Sunday on Sunday afternoon. And we're like, yeah, man, I guess uh, did you end up drafting Rashid? Because uh, I feel like I, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, go to hell. But, yeah, and so this is that play uh, where – 
was just kind of a stutter go. And they worked on this in practice. They were kind of just messing around. Derek Carr said that they didn't hit it. Like he missed the throw, but it was, they, they liked it so much that they put it in the offense and uh, they were like, we're going to go to this at some point. And, uh, and it worked. Shahid's definitely going to be one of those guys that is heavily targeted on waiver wire Wednesday. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 Rashid's getting picked up in virtually every league this week. So (laughs) There's one thing about this play that I think Rashid uh, could have done better. And uh, can you get can you figure out what it is? What? Well, well, right here, there's a point where he catches the first ever pass from Derek Carr in a Saints uniform, oh. and he decides to throw it into the stands. <laughs> Rashid, don't you think Derek might want that ball? What are I'm you doing? Surprised he didn't. He's got touchdown passes. He doesn't <laughs> need to keep it. But come on, <laughs> you don't think Derek wants that ball? <laughs> just, I'm sure he got it back. He threw it in the first row. It's not like he <laughs> chucked it 30 yards into the stands. But <laughs> it's very funny to me that he didn't turn around and be like, you know what, I think Derek probably wants this. <laughs> Maybe that's Derek's dad, hopefully. That would be funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I did think I, I enjoyed that. But no, Rashid, yeah, every time you see him out there, uh, he just gets better and better and better. Yeah. And you know, he's just so smooth. All I need for Rashid, all I need him to do, the only thing that I think he needs to work on is maybe give yourself more than like a like a centimeter of space from the sideline. Maybe. Just maybe. Just just maybe give yourself more than a centimeter. Cause you know, that that touchdown that it was very close. People keep showing me a picture. That is before he has the ball uh, with his knee down, which is like, great. Yeah, that picture is great, but he's the ball still moving. <laughs> and uh, here it is. Um, so I got, people keep sending me this photo and saying, oh, my God, that's a catch. How can they not call this? The refs suck. But it's like if you if you like we watched this happen live, they reviewed this. And I don't think anyone watched it and be like, oh, that's definitely a catch because you can see the ball is still moving in his hands when he gets there. And so one thing that I will say in for this play specifically is when, if you can catch the ball with your hands, that's a touchdown, right? Like Odell Beckham, that's a touchdown because he has the strongest hands in the world. And he, I've seen him make that exact play. The problem here is if you have, if you use three points to make that catch, which one of the points is your body, the ball is not secured until it is up against your body. Right. So you cannot have an immediate catch if you are using your body to support the ball. And that's what happens here. So when you watch this replay, know that it's like, yes, he has it in his hands, but it's still moving. And until he secures it against his body, it is not a catch. If he doesn't use his body, then it's a catch with the hands. But, you know, that's kind of that's the, the wide receiver thing. And, you know, I think that's if he catches that out with his hands, it's a touchdown. If not, you know, whatever, it's very close either way. It's still a great catch. It's still a great throwing catch. Like he was that close to having a huge, huge day. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, is, if he makes that catch. Obviously props to him too. You know, the way the game started, complete disaster. And then being able to rebound, that says a lot about a guy. Oh, I agree. Yeah, that opening kickoff, you know, that fumble. I, there was a point there that I was like, man, this this game is cursed. This season's cursed already. Right. Like, man, what what's worse than this? And then I saw the the Jets play. And the Giants. Okay, so two more things that, that that I'll hit, and then we can move on to the defense. So Chris Olave, you know, I, I think part of this is the, is Alvin Kamara is not there, and so the Saints have to get a little creative in the backfield. 
And we've seen this throughout camp. And, you know, they knew Alvin was probably going to get suspended. So maybe that's why they started incorporating this. Is they'll actually, twice in this game, they shifted Chris Olave into the backfield and then had him come run an option route. And you can see no linebacker is going to cover that. I mean, he has no chance. Played this about as well as you could. Like, what are you going to do? If you, if you don't, like, hedge, he's just going to run by you. And so that's the first down. Later in the game, they did the same thing first down and uh you know I, I am curious to see how teams handle that because even if even when Alvin Kamara is back I still expect them to use that in the offense uh Deuce Deuce responded and said he expects to uh see teams start to chip him because that is something that and he's right when you know you you don't chip receivers because typically they're not coming out of the backfield and if they're coming off the line you're trying to chip them there's a really good chance you don't get there within five yards and you get a penalty well you're coming out of the backfield all of a sudden that you know all bets are off and so you're not a running back you're a wide receiver and the defensive end has the op op, they they can come over and wipe you out as long as they're within five yards and when you're coming out of the backfield there's a way bigger margin for them to do that and i think he's right i think if you do that too much uh, Chris Lave is getting decleated by a defensive end. So I think that is one thing you're going to start seeing. So if they try to spam that play, it might not go so well. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's still something. Like, I I think Pete, this we got good Pete in this game. Yeah, and I mean, i excited to see even more of what they have schemed up because, you know, I, we didn't. I don't feel like we even touched the surface of things this offense can even do, obviously, week one. There was just uh, obviously no Camara right now. There's wasn't really tight end usage, even though, you know, like a guy like Foster Morrow, Jimmy Graham had no receptions this game. And then uh, I, I just look at the, the lack of usage with Taysom Hill. It just seems like there's so much more this offense is even more capable of. Yeah, Juwan Johnson had a few catches, but I wouldn't say it was his biggest game. Right. And, you know, I think part of that is, you know, you're, you're just trying to make things work with the offensive line. You need to have them in to block. You need to have them in to chip. And when you do that, it makes things a little bit more difficult. When you have to do that, when you have to take a running back and chip, it means it basically eliminates the play action. Um, and that's and that's tough. So I think that's that's part of it is the offensive line was struggling and you needed the the tight ends to to help a lot more than you than you probably want to. Um, so we'll see. I think you'll see that expand, especially with Taysom Hill. I think Taysom Hill, you know, you're you're I, I'm curious. We're going to talk to B. Carmichael later in the week and I, I'm going to ask him about, you know, so you're, it's got to be difficult to incorporate Taysom Hill with new quarterback, right? Like it's every time you switch quarterbacks, it's like, okay, this is how it operates. You have to come off the field. No one wants to do that. So I think that's probably, you know, you're trying to, yeah, Derek Carr's first game in the Superdome, you're not trying to take him off the field nine times for, for snaps, especially when it's not working and you're sending him out there in second and 13. Like what the hell? Um, but, you know, one way you can get the tight end game involved a lot more is by running the ball effectively. And w- one thing we heard from Dennis Allen is when you look at the tape, and this is true, there was a handful of plays in the run game that felt like there was a big play to there to be had. And all you had to do is not screw up. You know, all you had to do is like make a block and get outfield. And this is one of those plays, you know, whenever we talk about Traquan Smith, people say, well, you don't pay wide receivers to block. And well, sure, maybe not, but you do need them to block. Because if you want to make big run plays to the edge of the field, those are the guys who are making those blocks. And here you see Keith Kirkwood whiff, just whiff on a play that 
Otherwise, I think Jamel Williams is up the sideline for at least 15, maybe 20 yards. Maybe he breaks a tackle and goes all the way. And like Keith Kirkwood needs to make that block, and he doesn't. And that's the guy who makes the tackle. And so, like, why is Traquan Smith on this team? Well, that's the block you expect Traquan Smith to make, right? And, and it's a big difference when you don't. Keith Kirkwood did not have a great game. He also had that holding penalty on the Rashid Shahid end around. We were high on the Keith Kirkwood hype, too. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big part of that. And, and like, you know, missed blocks happen. But, like, here, this, is, this one's worse, in my opinion. This is Foster Morrow whiffing on a block. And that can't happen. Look at this. How? How do you go from this to this? That is a defensive back. You better make that tackle, Foster. I mean, that block, Foster. What are you doing? And someone was like, well, why did Tony Jones Jr. run right directly into the defender? Well, it's because (laughs) he's getting pursued from the middle of the field and he sees his tight end out there blocking a defensive back. (laughs) Why would he assume (laughs) that Foster's going to whip? He's looking at all that space. If he can get to the edge of the field, he's running 20, 30 yards. And, you know, I think this is when you, when you talk to Dennis Allen and he says we had big plays and we, when he blew them, <laughs> this is the type of thing you're looking at. Man, you weren't kidding when you said there was bad blocking everywhere. No, yeah, right. Like, it's not just Trevor, guys. The, the Saints did not block well in any capacity. It's just Tony Jones Jr.'s only touch of the game, which I found odd. I, I think he looked quick. He looked good. I don't know why you didn't use him. But, uh, yeah, Foster had a weird day. There was that that one play where he lined up like three yards downfield, um, and Chris Olave had to get out there and be like, "Foster, what, you, what the hell are you doing?" Right. <laughs> uh, not a great debut for for Foster Morrow. Uh, maybe you know he was a little excited He's playing in front of the home fans for the first time. Yeah. So you know it's, it's going to get better. I think the Saints did a lot of really good things on offense. They left a lot out on the field, um, and that's kind of my big takeaway from uh, from that game. Yeah, definitely. And you obviously want to see them being more more productive in the red zone than they were. But hey, shout out to uh, Blake Groupie. He came through for a big time. And that was definitely a concern of mine when the lights were on, you know, in an actual real game scenario. How's this kid going to do? Well, he showed up for show. Yeah, he made, he made Mike Vrabel look real stupid, too, <laughs> which good for him. Because that was a the dumb bonehead decision based entirely on they have a rookie kicker. He has never kicked a 50 yarder in his life, uh, you know, and I'm going to make him prove it. And, uh, you know, he did. And what I will say for Blake is he's not just making kicks. He is splitting them. I mean, like the, the, we saw that if you watched the Monday night game last night um, with the Jets and the Bills, I mean, they, he made that 50, 50 yarder to, to tie the game there. The guy from the Bills, uh, I can't t- Tyler Bass, I think his name is, but it was about as close as it can get. It, it hit the uprights, yeah. clanged, and then fell through. You know what Will Lutz had to imagine was it should have happened in in London. It's you know I guess it's the overseas. You know the, the the I don't know the the toilet bowls go backwards. I don't think that's that's right. That's not right. But like groupie, every single kick is just you know he's Money. not sneaking anything in. <laughs> no, definitely a, gr- a great outing from him. I almost gave him my, you know, player of the game for, for post game. But I ended up still uh, giving that to Shahid, even though a lot of folks complained it should have been a defensive player. But I, I had to give it to Shahid after, you know, the mishap early on and being able to respond and also having the only touchdown of the game. Yeah, the problem with the defense is 
so many people played well that it's hard to single one out. Um, And so, yeah, that's a good segue. We're going to end this segment here and we're going to do one more and talk about the defense, go through some of the film on that. And and like I said, it was a very, very impressive day. Although Ryan Tannehill helped a good bit. So we're going to, we're going to get into that. But this is Inside Black and Gold. It's our film study edition. We're going to try to do this, you know, the second episode of the week, be kind of a reaction film study uh, episode as much as possible. Um, and so, yeah, if, you have, if there's anything you want to see, always make sure to hit me up on Twitter beforehand so I can, like, pull it out and tell you how you're wrong and all that good stuff. I, I do enjoy doing that. But all right. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. He's Steve Geller, WWL. If you haven't subscribed, do that. Give us a rating. Give us a review. And we will be... Right back. And we are back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. And so, Steve, you, you talked, we just talked about the defense a little bit in terms of there were a lot of standout players. But if you did have to single one out, who would it? Uh, I'd have to give it to Granderson just because I thought he was a, a wrecking ball out there and was really impressed to see that translate from camp, what we were seeing into the game. And just a guy that overall for me, I've talked about it. We've talked about it kind of thing. Just every year you've seen that steady progression with him. Really excited to now see what he can put forth the rest of the season because, man, oh, man, we've been needing that dude, the opposite of Cam Jordan for a while now. I agree completely and and i was tweeting about this a lot during the game man carl impressed the hell out of me and he impressed me throughout camp right like i i I feel like we you know we talk about these guys we talk about these guys he has been showing it all offseason and the only question was okay you know is this a mirage like is it just he's beating up on trevor penning every day (laughs) right Um, to say that but it's true but no, I mean, I think you can you can definitely see it here. And so this was the first drive of the game. This was third down right after that Rashid Jaheed fumble. And he hits the left tackle with a spin move that basically just knocks him into another hemisphere. He doesn't get credit for a tackle on this play, but I think he gets a QB hit. Oof. I mean, you get to see just how far this guy gets thrown out of the play from this very basic spin move. Just sets him up outside, comes back inside, boom. So That's fast. So Ryan Tano has no chance. So that's one play. Now let me go find another one. But yeah, it's very impressive to watch him work out there. And he's just been getting better and better and better every year. And I think we're really seeing him come into his own right now. Yeah. And for a guy, obviously undrafted, I know he had some legal issues surrounding him. that were some concerns that's been cleared up and has been a really interesting piece for this defense that, like I said, Someone we've watched develop year after year, uh, getting a little bigger, getting a little stronger, uh, doing more and getting more of those snaps on defense. And yeah, he, he's definitely putting up the stats now. Uh, hope, hoping that continues, man, because it's going to be huge. Like I said, to have that guy, that steady force opposite of Cam Jordan. Yes. And so, like, like I mentioned, so we had the spin move. Now the clip I'm putting up, bull rush. I mean, he just takes number 71. I don't even know. I should have learned the Titans left tackle's name, but I didn't think it was worth it since he's going to get cut next week. Um, I'm just kidding. I don't know his name, though. (laughs) But, yeah, so here's the bull rush. And, I mean, this is another play where he just blows up everything. And Ryan Tannehill is just running for his life. You know, know, I talked a few times about how Ryan Tannehill made life a lot easier on the Saints defense with some misses. 
Um, there was a play where Tajay Spears was running by himself down the sideline. And he basically delivered the ball out of bounds. Tajay had a chance to make a crazy catch. But, you know, best case scenario, he goes out of bounds with the, whatever gain it was. And maybe he should have had a touchdown if he just puts that in the field of play. Tannehill threw three interceptions. All three of them were targeting DeAndre Hopkins. He had another one that could have been intercepted that was targeting DeAndre Hopkins. All four of those were against four different defensive backs. One was Marshawn Lattimore. One was Isaac Yadam. One was Paul Sandibo. And one was Ugo Amadi. That was the one that didn't get intercepted, but was very close. But, you know, one of the reasons that Ryan Tannehill was playing like his head was on fire is because the defensive line just made his life miserable. And, you know, you you see players, you know, if you watch that Giants game, for example, on on Sunday night, you know, Daniel Jones, by the end of that game, was not playing like Daniel Jones. He was playing like a guy who was shell-shocked. And he was making bad decisions that were based entirely on, I've been running for my life all day, and if I hold this ball more than X number of seconds, I'm going to get my head taken off. And so you're making bad decisions because of that. And I think that's what you saw from Ryan Tannehill in this game because he was dreadful. Sacked three times, I think, what, 10 pressures on him. Uh, yeah, you definitely love to see that. And uh, I got to say, too, game ball-wise, I'd have to maybe split it and give one to Demario Davis, too. Obviously, led the team in tackles. But hearing what that guy went through leading up to game day, I don't even know how the man played. Yeah, that was uh, that was something remarkable, what he talked about of his daughter having the seizure on Friday, and he spent the night in the hospital, and – um, I think we have a clip of Pete Warner talking about kind of DeMario in that game. And, and here's all that. And man, I have so much respect for that guy. And I, I watched the whole video um, after the game. And I thought, man, hey, we, we didn't even hear about it in the locker room. And to put that aside and go out and practice and bring the energy that he does and be the leader that he does in this building. I mean, there's, there's no other guy that you want to have on, on your team. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be next to him, blessed to have him on this team. Um, but, it, it, you know, you, you got he and his thoughts all the time. And um, I just give him a lot to, to kind of go out and come into the facility and, um, and just do, it, do what he do. So, like, he, he, he does more than what we ask for. It's, it's incredible to learn from a guy like that. Um, so uh, to, to see that, it's, it's, it's incredible, to, especially how he executed in the game. DeMario, you know, he's a he's a emotional leader, uh, obviously. And you, you hear that from Pete. And, uh, you know, the story he told was was incredible. And, you know, he's always got a he's always got a message. Right. Like, uh, you know, when there are times you hear people talk and it's like, OK, come on, get to the <laughs> point. But he's always got a point. So you don't rush him to the point because, you know, he's getting there and he's got a reason for saying everything that he does. And, uh, you know, and, and that's and that's one thing. But he's also a physical leader. And there was a point in this game and I'm, I'm playing it right now where it really just felt like Demario Davis looked at Derrick Henry and said, OK, bet. And like I felt from that point, he, it was a it was a second down play, I want to say. And it felt like from there, he just took it as a personal challenge. Like, I'm going to take this guy out of his cleats. If he tries to block me, I am putting him into the dirt. And he did on one play. And so he had, I want to say his first seven carries, he had 43 yards. His next eight carries, which this was his seventh carry that I am flashing up. He got three yards on this carry. From that point on, eight carries, 20 total yards. He averaged over six yards per carry on his seven first seven rushing attempts. He averaged 2.5 yards per carry on his final eight 
rushing attempts. And I had some Titans fans come at me because I pointed out that the Saints held Derrick Henry to 12 total yards in the second half of this game. And they were like, well, they just stopped using him. And like, well, when you're holding a guy to 2.5 yards a carry in the second half of the game, yeah, you're not going to give him the ball. Like, what's your point? Like, like stopping a guy so effectively that they just stopped going to him. Uh, I think that's even more impressive than if they're just trying to plow his head into the line. So, you know, I mean, Demario, uh, and, and there's a play from Alante Taylor. I'll flash up too. Uh, you know, the Saints defense in general did a very good job of stopping Derrick Henry in the second half of this game. And I think just the, when you, when you have Demario going out there and just standing on his head to make these tackles, it gives you a lot of a lot of emotional energy, and uh, he and he's just that guy. And I just love watching Demario play. Now that's something we've seen now too. I feel like right off the bat, I can feel that passion, that fire, whatever you want to call it, the competitive spirit. And I'm not saying that they weren't a you know competitive team that didn't didn't you know care about football last year kind of thing, but. It, it's already – it feels different this season in that aspect to me. And obviously, DeMario Davis, a big piece of that. He he was a guy in the locker room early on last year. It it didn't seem like the same DeMario. Uh, wasn't, wasn't the same guy you saw maybe more concern in his face and because I guess he knew what was going on with this team from the inside. But to see how he's been interacting around, along with the rest of the team this year – I'm just really impressed on how locked in and, you know, just on the same page everyone is early on. Uh, hoping that continues just because that that that's definitely a big key to continuing winning as well. Yeah, I just felt like there wasn't a level of belief last year. It didn't feel like, you know, it, like it felt to a certain point like there a lot of people going through the motions because it just didn't. Like, I don't think the talent level was was where it needed to be. I think there was a lot of questions at key positions. A lot of people were hurt. And, um, you know, it's just with Derek Carr in there with with a with a with a more clear vision, um, especially from a coaching perspective. I think that you you saw that. And this is a play that, you know, uh, Alante Taylor. We talked about this. He's playing in the slot. He's learning on the job. There's going to be moments where it's like, man, that guy doesn't look like he's ready in that position. And he had that in this game. There were a couple of moments where he tried to undercut a pass, where he got beat on a play, and you're like, okay, he's learning. Um, but this is something a lot to tell you always have, and it's just being fearless. I mean, this is first and 10, Saints 15-yard line. Saints are up 16 to 12. The Titans are driving for a potential go-ahead touchdown. Alante Taylor, all like 6'1", 200, you know, like 196 pounds of him or whatever. I don't know, I just made that up. It's got to be pretty close to that. Just meets Derrick Henry head-to-head. There are highlight reels of Derrick Henry getting in this situation and turning defensive backs into dust. So what does Alante do? He says, well, guess how much I bench. And he doesn't make the tackle, but he also doesn't get stiff-armed into the dirt. He, he does enough to slow Derrick Henry down so that the team can get up there and gang tackle him. He ends up losing two yards on this play. Look who that is finishing it off is Demario Davis. And I mean, this is, I cannot overstate how important of a play this was, especially from an emotional standpoint. The Titans had just driven all the way downfield. This is Derek freaking Henry. If he rips off 10 to 12 yards, gets them down to the goal line, I mean, you are in a world of trouble if you're the Saints. You know, maybe they come back and score. Maybe they still win the game. But, you know, this is the play that forced them ultimately to kick a field goal. 
in a situation where you you know you, they they want to go in and score a touchdown, they don't want to go down sixteen to fifteen. Where do you, where, where, where does that leave you? It's the play that made it so the Saints could ice the game rather than have to go down and make a winning score. And you know, for Alante Taylor, he I, I I'll give him all the credit in the world. It's not easy to lose a position battle for a starting job and then be told you got to do something else now. Right. I think he took it in stride. I think he, he handled it as well as you could and he's making it work. And that play, man, I, I, I can't overstate how big of a moment that was in this game for this defense. It was a statement type play and good for him. I mean, like it's impossible to not like Alante and you know, that, that moment there, like Bradley Roby's not making that tackle. I, I don't know if CJ makes that tackle. Was that play, do you know offhand if it happened before or after Alante got banged up? Because I know he did uh, get hurt. This was the, See, the that's impressive last too, time obviously. on the ball. Yeah, yeah, that's impressive too. Guy coming back after getting even nicked up to come up front and, and not be afraid to make that tackle on Henry or to, to at least get in the way and slow that guy down. Yeah, this was the Titans' third to last offensive play in the game because they kicked the field goal and then Saints got it back and they ran the clock out. So, yeah, I mean, if again, if, you know, I don't think he scores on that play, but I'm not guaranteeing he doesn't either. If he breaks that tackle and gets ahead of steam and who's who's tackling him, right? Like you're, you're asking another defensive back to come up and, and tackle a runaway train. I don't know. Um, but I, I thought that was impressive. And there were a lot of impressive plays by the defense. Um, sure. But you can see that there were also moments where you had you had situations like this. Right. This is that Tajay Spears play where he kind of misplayed it. And uh, he's basically by himself down the field. He kind of came through uh, in motion and went on a wheel route. And the Saints didn't handle that well. There was another play that they kind of had a flea flicker to, I think his name's Aconquo, the tight end. And he was wide open. Ryan Tannehill missed him. There was this play on the, on the first down or the first drive of the game. See if I can find it. You know, Cam Jordan saves the Saints bacon here. Because Alante Taylor, again, we talked about he's in the slot. He's learning. He gets caught up in the wash here. This is a pick play. So this is him at the top, and he gets kind of caught here. This guy's working up the sideline, and all Ryan Tannehill has to do is lay this ball out, but he can't do it because Cam Jordan sniffs it out. Cam Jordan saw what was happening. He got there, and he made it. So Ryan Tannehill, if he tries to throw that ball, he's getting wiped out. And it saves them because look at how open this guy is down the sideline, you know? And so that's, that's what you talk about, like players helping, you know, the defensive line complementing the secondary and the secondary complementing the defensive line and coverage sacks and all that sort of thing. And so that's, that's what you had. And, uh, you know, th- there were a lot of really nice moments in this game. Um, you know, coverage bus only matter if they get taken advantage of, but I guarantee you the saints see that and they're working on it. And those are things that you're hoping you don't see happen three, four weeks down the road. But this game could have been a lot more difficult had Ryan Tannehill hit some of these passes. Yeah, and luckily going into this week, you know, you got a rookie signal caller ahead with the Panthers. I'm hoping to see this defense really work over, you know, things Monday night, uh, create some more turnovers and, you know, skip out of Carolina with another victory, go 2-0 and on the year. Things, things are starting to percolate a little bit for this team. I like it. I agree. Now, one final uh, play I'll highlight here. And, uh, you know, it's a little grainy. I zoomed in. But so this is Marshawn Lattimore on DeAndre Hopkins at the top of the screen. This is two plays prior to the interception. Everyone's going to talk about the interception, which because that's the highlight play. It's obviously a big play. But, you know, I think we get spoiled 
watching Marshawn Lattimore every week. This is the exact matchup you have him for. This, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, big wide receiver. He's going to try to bully you. And Marshawn is not getting bullied. And just watch this play. Watch. You couldn't slide a credit card in between these guys throughout this route. I mean, this is the most physical receiver in the NFL, not named Michael Thomas. And he just cannot get a inch of space. Ryan Tannehill throws to him anyway, because that was Ryan Tannehill's MO in this game. He's saying, I trust DeAndre, and it didn't work for him. He threw three interceptions targeting DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, one of the reasons that you can't throw to DeAndre Hopkins is because Marshawn is shadowing him. Uh, you know, they found ways to get a DeAndre on other guys, and those defensive backs stepped up. But, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Ross Tucker said this during the game. It was like, I don't think we talk about Marshawn Lattimore enough when we talk about the top cornerbacks in the NFL. And he's absolutely right because you cannot name me five cornerbacks better than Marshawn Lattimore. You'll be lucky to name three. And I think that's even pushing it. I think he's top two. And he would tell you he's not two. He's top two, but he's not two. Uh, and and I, the only reason, you know, he's, he's a man corner. He's a very specific man cover corner. And there is not a better man cover corner in the NFL. There might be better all around corners, but you play more zone. There is no one better than Marshawn Lattimore doing what Marshawn Lattimore does, which is man shadow cover corner and being physical specifically. And it's like, you, there's a reason Mike Evans, there's a reason DK Metcalf, there's a reason DeAndre Hopkins all get shut down when they're going up against him. It's because you think you can out physical that guy, but you can't. And hearing from Lattimore post game, I, I loved it too. Uh, him in the locker room talking about obviously the, their goal uh, to be the number one defense. He talked about how everybody in that secondary they want to be the top dog kind of thing, and everyone's fighting for that same you know number one spot. Uh, love to hear it. Love to see it. And, yeah, I mean, for all the criticism to head coach Dennis Allen gets, the man knows how to put together a damn secondary. I'll give him that. I agree. And you got to give Marcus Robertson credit, too. You got to give these players credit. They didn't just, you know, they, they made the plays. Like, we were talking about this all offseason. Can they make interceptions? Can they turn these pass breakups into takeaways? Yeah. And not only did they do it, they did it three times. It took them until week 13 last year to get three interceptions. <laughs> Think about wow. that. That's, yeah, that's, that's just abysmal. Right. That's crazy. And they could have had five, you know, and, and I and I expect them to get at least one off Bryce Young, maybe more. And yeah, I I couldn't be happier with with what we saw on both sides. Well, I take that back. What we saw out of a majority of this team, the offensive line needs to step up. But there's a there are a lot of phases in this game. And I think, you know, special teams, other than that fumble, it was a couple bad penalties. You know, I, there's last year, the Saints won in week one. And it felt like, man, they stole one, but they played terribly for three quarters of that game. And they found a way to steal it from a team that is better at losing a lead than anybody. <laughs> and but this year, I feel like they won. They, they won a very close game against a, a good team. And they did a ton of encouraging things. And, you know, again, I said this at the top, top of the show. I'll say it again. This is the most fun I've had breaking down film from a game in years. Yeah, it says a lot for sure. I mean, you had you had a little bit of everything uh, from, you know, some some highlights there on offense, a whole lot on defense, and yeah, a little bit of a redemption story from the beginning of a game with a guy like Rashid Shaheed coming back to be, you know, one of the heroes instead of one of the issues and why you lost the game. 
Yeah. And he justified me taking him in every fantasy league uh, and gave me some some fun texts I could send out. So I have to thank him for that. I made the mistake in fantasy this week, Jeff, of sitting the Dallas Cowboys defense like a schmuck. I went up against him in our league. Oh, really? Yeah, I had a chance. And then well, I also have Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback. So I'm in all I'm in a world of hurt uh, in that league. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Silly me thinking thinking A-Rod. Maybe I'll pick up Zach Wilson. Uh, Maybe I'll pick up Jameis because he's going to be their quarterback soon, right? Twitter. (laughs) But all right. Let's wrap up this podcast. We're going to be coming back later in the week. Hopefully have some sort of Panthers guest to get some insight on what the Saints can expect out in Carolina. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Give us a rating. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of. I think we're, we're really getting into the flow here. We're going to be doing the three episodes throughout the season, and I'm excited about it. Share this with your friends. Share it with your mom, your dog, whoever might want to listen uh, we're pet friendly. You're, yeah. you're two of the Inside Black and Gold podcast, and we're hoping that we have a postseason edition this season. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be yes. nice. And exactly. as always, check out WWL.com for the latest Saints content. Check, listen to WWL Radio AM 870 FM 105.3 and the Odyssey app. This podcast is on there as well. Bobby Bear, Steve Geller, Mike Dettelier. Hey, I'm on there sometimes. Mike Haas, too. Uh, I know they have, the, they have Dennis Allen on the program every Monday or Tuesday this come this coming week because it's a Monday night game. And then Mickey Loomis is on there on Tuesdays, normally Wednesday next week. So I've Actually, always checked because, that out. Because of the way it's a short week after the Monday night, there won't be Dennis Allen on the coaches show. We'll have to scrounge up some kind of guest, but it won't be DA or an assistant this coming week. Well, wait until week three. Either way, go, right. Mondays. Dennis Allen, good stuff. You get to listen to Bobby be like, uh, Coach Allen, but, uh, you know, why did, why did I make Bobby from Brooklyn? That's <laughs> I know Bobby's been merciless on poor Peyton Turner because of a toe, turf toe. He's like, what is that? I'm like, Bobby, come on. You know turf toe's a damn serious injury. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds, it sounds weak. <laughs> All right. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Who dat? Go Saints. Be easy, y'all. Inside black and gold.